Welcome to Mountain State Cardboard, a podcast about sports, sports cards, and life from the Mountain State of West Virginia. If you're looking for guaranteed hot picks and lead pipe lock advice on the next big thing in sports cards, just turn around now. This isn't the show for you. This is a fun conversation about the hobby we all love. Welcome to episode three of Mountain State Cardboard. Thanks for joining me. My name's Tim. This is my new podcast about sports, sports cards, and life. And it's just been another great week. I've, I entered this week with a ton of gratitude uh, for all of the love that I got last week uh, for episode two. Uh, had some really great conversation uh, on uh, social media with uh, other collectors and, and investors um, this week. It's just been Man, this this podcast is just fun, and and I'm enjoying uh, getting to know new people and and connecting through the hobby, and and that was the whole point of this, and it's it's coming to fruition, and it just feels it feels good, uh, just uh, it feels amazing. By the way, the uh, the podcast is now available on Apple. Uh, that was the last uh, platform to uh, to get the upload. Uh, it took about uh, a little over a week uh, for the show to get approved and and put on the uh, Apple. Uh, podcast platform, but it's there. So you can subscribe, rate, and review uh, on Apple Podcast. Also available on uh, pretty much every uh, podcasting uh, platform. I use Pocket Cast um, and uh, used to use Overcast. I I, I tend to not, and, and this is actually going to come up in the main segment of the show today, I, I tend to not gravitate toward uh, the uber popular stuff. I, I always... Uh, have a soft spot for the underdog uh, or for the the third party option, uh, so I I use Pocket Cast. But anyway, um, the uh, the show's out there, so uh, subscribe, uh, rate, review. Uh, I'd really appreciate it. Uh, and you can also find me on Instagram at WV Cardboard. Uh, this community has been so cool, and one of the best parts last week was hearing from people who I admire in the content creation. Uh, arena. People that I've been following um, and have reached out to me and just been super supportive. And I just can't get over how supportive this community is. Uh, I'll probably put that to the test today because I'm going to I'm going to bring up a, a somewhat uh, touchy subject uh, in our main segment today. Um, but anyway, I do really, really, really appreciate the support. Um, interesting listening this week, uh, listening and watching and uh, I'll, I'll uh, talk about some of the content I consumed this week. Um, one of the guys, though, that reached out to me, and he's been listening, and he's been super supportive, is um, Sports Card PT uh, on Instagram. Chris, uh, great dude. And he was actually one of the first people to uh, give a shout-out to West Virginia, which is a big part of who I am. I'm, I'm a proud West Virginian. I talk about it a lot. Uh, I'll, I'll continue to talk about it a lot and, and hype up my home state. But... Uh, uh, in one of his first comments to me uh, about the show, Chris said, uh, you know, called out West Virginia and name checked uh, Jimbo Fisher and uh, Nick Saban, uh, both West Virginia natives, uh, national championship winning college football coaches. And interestingly enough, uh, grew up uh, probably in towns that are 10 or 15 minutes apart uh, in north central uh, West Virginia. Uh, and uh, interesting side note, uh, since Chris uh, called out Jimbo and Nick specifically, um, Jimbo Fisher's mom was my chemistry teacher in high school. Lovely lady, uh, sweet lady, and uh, she was my she was my chemistry teacher. And 
the interesting thing about that is um, at the time that I was in high school and had her in class, Jimbo was an assistant for Terry Bowden at Samford. Shout out to the Purple Paladins. Um, and everybody in class loved me because I sat in front of uh, Mrs. Fisher's desk and I could totally derail class every Monday morning by asking her how Samford had done uh, the, the weekend prior. And we would spend about half the class talking about college football. And then we would, you know, finally get around to some, some chemistry lesson. But, uh, but everybody loved the fact that I could derail class by asking about uh, the Samford game that weekend. So anyway, so there's your, there's your West Virginia story for today. Uh, Jimbo Fisher's mom was my high school chemistry teacher. Um, and, that, you know, that's a, that's a hopefully one day there's a documentary about the fact that you have some very, very successful coaches all come out of this one small geographic area in West Virginia. Like I said, you've got Jimbo Fisher, you've got Nick Saban, uh, probably, like I said, probably 10 or 15 minutes apart in towns. Um, certainly uh, a, a difference in age, but geographically very close. Um, and also uh, right out of that same general region, um, Rich Rodriguez, uh, who had been, uh, was a successful coach at West Virginia University. For those that don't uh, know, he was the, he was the, uh, the architect of the, uh, the Pat White, Steve Slayton, Owen Schmidt uh, years at uh, WVU. And uh, then went on to uh, uh, Michigan and, and Arizona and, and, you know, that story sort of derailed uh, in West Virginia for Rich. But, but anyway, uh, all these guys are from the same geographic area within probably 15 or 20 minutes of each other. Uh, so it, it, I don't know. I just find that fascinating, and I hope that one day there's a there's a documentary that's that's made about that. Um, so anyway, Chris called out Jimbo. There's my Jimbo story for today. Um, interesting listening on uh, the podcasts this week. Another great uh, couple of episodes of of stacking slabs, and uh, Brett actually um, caused me to buy some cards for my PC that I otherwise wouldn't have bought if I hadn't been listening to, to his show. And I asked the question, and I find this interesting. I asked the question on Instagram this week, um, do you ever buy cards for your PC based on a moment or a memory or to commemorate something? Um, because I did that this week, and I've done that in the past. And I told the story in episode one about um, why I have a, an Andrew, uh, um, and rather, rather an, an Adam Jones PC, um, former center fielder for the, uh, the Baltimore Orioles and Seattle Mariners, among other teams, um, Arizona most recently. And, and I think he's, uh, playing overseas now. Um, and I talked about having a small Adam Jones PC because he retweeted me in 2012 and I'll never forget this. So I, I, so I'm a, a lifelong, uh, Steelers fan, uh, along with being a Pirates fan. Um, and I, there are few things in this world I dislike as much as I dislike the Baltimore Ravens. Um, and frankly, it's, it's why I don't really have any Lamar Jackson car. I just can't bring myself to do it. Um, but when Ray Lewis retired, I tweeted that, you know, love the, love them or hate them, you know, whatever you think about the Ravens, uh, Ray Lewis is an all time great at the linebacker position. Um, 
he deserved Hall of Famer, right? So I just tweeted, you know, respect to Ray Lewis. And Adam Jones, playing for the Orioles at the time, retweeted me. And, of course, my, my Twitter blew up because he had a bunch of followers, and I thought that was pretty cool. And so I, I went out, and, and I started buying Adam Jones cards. I he became a player that I followed. I actually have a, an Adam Jones Orioles jersey. Um, so anyway, so I asked the question on Instagram, have you ever done this? And the reason I asked the question, so a couple of things sort of coalesced this week. Um, I was listening to Wax Museum. Shout out Wax Museum. Great podcast. Um, and uh, again, the, uh, impetus behind a couple of things I'm going to talk about on the podcast this week. But uh, he was talking about cards, buying cards to commemorate uh, a moment, which I thought was interesting. Uh, and then Brett had this really uh interesting segment on his show where he's going to start a new segment uh, called uh, I think it's, he's calling it let it let it rip uh, um, where people can send him voice messages and, and he'll include them in the podcast um, sort of an open mic kind of thing um, but he called it that because and he took he took it back to uh, the Colts and in, in the Jim Harbaugh era uh, back in the early 90s uh, and he talked about the uh, the 95 AFC Championship game uh, between uh, Pittsburgh and Indianapolis. And that was a great game, right? A great game. And I can remember being in Morgantown, West Virginia, my roommate and I and a couple of our other buddies, all huge Steelers fans, watching that game, nearly having a heart attack, and and it was a fun day. Um, and that, that, was a, that was a really, really great game and a couple of things stick out uh, to me from that uh, from that game and I, I started thinking about it after he uh, after he talked about it um, you know back and forth game uh, Indianapolis takes the takes the lead late uh, they go up 16 uh, 13 uh, Harbaugh threw a really great touchdown pass to Floyd Turner uh, they go up 16 13. Uh, Pittsburgh gets the ball back they punt uh, then they get it back uh, after uh, I think it was Willie Williams, a defensive back for the Steelers at the time, um, tackled uh, Lamont Warren behind the line of scrimmage on a third down run. And if they convert there, the game's probably over um, because Willie Williams tackles Lamont Warren. And I think there's about three minutes left when they have to punt the ball back to Pittsburgh. Uh, and they took it 67 yards for the winning touchdown. And the two things that I'll never forget about that final possession – uh, there was the, the one-yard touchdown run by Bam Morris uh, that gave Pittsburgh the lead with about a minute and a half left. But before that, uh, it was a long pass down inside the five to um, Ernie Mills. Um, Ernie Mills, wide receiver for the Pittsburgh Steelers. It was a, I want to say it was like 36, 37-yard uh, pass to Ernie Mills that took Pittsburgh down to the Indianapolis one, and that set up the Bam Morris touchdown. So that and and I'll never forget that game, and I'll never forget that moment in time. So Brett talking about the game led me to think about the game, and then I hopped online, went to one of the the card uh, sellers uh, that I trust, um, that I buy you know singles from on a regular basis and picked up a bunch of cards to commemorate the memory of that 95 AFC uh, championship game. Uh, I picked up uh, an Ernie Mills uh, rookie 
a Neil O'Donnell rookie, a Bam Morris rookie, a Cordell Stewart rookie. And I also then got 95 cards from that 95 season that the, you know, so I, I bought the rookie and then I bought a, a, a card from the season that we're specifically talking about. But I also picked up a, a 95 Harbaugh and a 95 Tony Saragusa. Uh, and the thing I'll never forget about Saragusa, I hated the goose, hated the goose. Um, the thing I'll never forget was that first pass of the game, he tipped it at the line of scrimmage and, and Indy got an interception and I thought we were done. Like I thought from the first possession, I didn't think Pittsburgh was going to win this game. Uh, but Tony Siragusa got a hand up, made a great play, uh, forced an interception. Uh, so I actually picked up uh, a Harbaugh and a Siragusa from 95. And I, I, the Fleer, I think, is what I, I got the uh, Fleer Ultra, the gold medallion cards. Um, so I thought that, you know. So I those cards are not worth anything, right? Like, honestly, every single card was 50 cents or less. Um, but they're just going to be fun additions that I'll, I'll stick in a stick in my football PC box. And, and, you know, one day I'll flip through them and I'll have that memory again. So I, 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 I picked up specifically uh, a couple of cards to uh, commemorate that memory. And, and that's what collecting is about, right? So I did that. Also uh, this week picked up a uh, Deandre Jordan uh, rookie card and, I talk a lot about the the content that I, I consume from a, a sports card and sports standpoint, but I listen to a lot of other podcasts too, not just about cards. And one of my favorite shows is Sports Business Radio. And if you if you like sports and and you like the business side of sports, this show is super good. Um, and uh, there's a really great episode from a, about a year and a half ago, I think, with uh, Damian Lillard. They interviewed Damian Lillard. I thought that was cool. You know, I'm a big fan. Uh, by the way, I'm 100% here for the uh, Damian Lillard uh, PG beef. I'm here for this. I cannot wait. I hope, 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 hope that somehow we get a Portland Clippers playoff series because PG and Pat Beverly – and Damian Lillard, that's going to be fire, and I'm here for it, and I can't wait. I lo- Listen, there's nothing better to me than a good NBA Twitter beef, and this one is fantastic. But anyway, so I'm listening to Sports Business Radio, and there's a recent um, episode with uh, DeAndre Jordan. And I, you know, DeAndre Jordan is a guy that, you know, I've I, I watched him play, and, you know, he's fine. He's never never been a player that I really thought a lot about. Um, but I really enjoyed hearing, and that's what's so cool about sports business radio is that you get to hear athletes on a different level. They're not talking about sports. They're talking about their business interests and, um, their philosophies. And I really enjoyed the interview with DeAndre Jordan. So I, I went out and picked up a, a DeAndre Jordan, uh, rookie card, uh, this week, um, found one uh, relatively inexpensive on eBay and just, you know, pulled the trigger uh, to, again, just stick it in a box. And one day I'll flip through that box and I'll, I'll remember that. And I might even go back and, and re-listen to the episode in the archive, uh, that episode with DeAndre Jordan. I, I just, I, I find that, I, I, I find that's my emotional connection to sports through cards, right? And that's really what this is about for me. This is not a money-making endeavor for me. This is not, I'm, I'm not trying to build clout. Um, everything, everything that I say is exactly how I feel. Um, 
I'm doing I'm doing the podcast to have fun and to connect with people. I'm I'm building a little bit of an online presence to connect with people. Um, and and cards for me are it's an emotional investment more so than financial. I I am doing this to connect with sports on a different level. That's what it is for me. Um, so uh, there it is. Um, super, uh, super interesting uh, episode of uh, Sports Card Analytics on YouTube this week. Jordan, again, uh, bringing the info. Really, really great. And Jordan and I had a, a relatively long conversation about uh, his episode this week because it goes to my main topic for the week. And I'm, I'll tell you now, we're gonna, I'm going to talk about grading. Uh, and I am on the opposite side of the issue from a lot of people that I know and respect in the industry, but that's okay. Like we can differ. We can, we can disagree about things and still connect in the hobby. Right? So main topic this week, grading, and I have a real problem letting things go. That, that is something that I know about myself and when, when, when something gets to me and when an issue sticks in my head, I have a hard time letting it go. So this has all been building for me for a few weeks now. And it goes back to changes at P- PSA, changes at BGS, you know, third-party option, you know, what, what are the options? What, what can we do, right? One of the things that drives me crazy that I cannot let go when we start talking about the grading issue is the way that PSA and BGS have responded to the massive influx of cards to be graded and slowdowns in turnaround time and price increases, right? What it comes down to for me is this. A business that responds poorly to a, a, a market factor like that and passes the cost on to their consumer in almost a punitive way, I can't do business with that company. Okay. You weren't prepared. You got slammed. And your the result was increased wait times and then you jack your prices up. And I get it. Like I do understand the theory of the price increase because they do have to costs get passed along to the consumer all the time. That happens. That's, that's market economics, right? But when it's punitive, I can't let it go. And I feel like that's what PSA has done. I feel like that's what BGS has done. And now there's this whole conversation about SGC and that was that was Jordan's episode this week and he talked about you know the difference between PSA and BGS and SGC and focusing on value like what cards are worth when they're graded right and the result was kind of what we all expected right like PSA cards are more valuable then BGS, and then SGC is a distant third when it comes to what these cards are selling for online. Okay, what happens then is the whole th- the whole thing just perpetuates itself because there's more perceived value in PSA, so people are going to continue 
to use PSA, even though they've increased their prices, even though their wait times are ridiculously long, the turnaround times, they're getting better. And I've, I've talked to a lot of people who have said that the wait times have reduced. But it it's self-perpetuating. There's, there's more perceived value in PSA, so people continue to use it. And it just continues to drive the value up. Nothing fundamentally about how they do business is going to change until they feel that change is necessary. And, and I'm going to get real, like, I, I'm, I'm going to be out here in theoretical world quite a bit for this portion of the conversation. Um, for, first of all, let, let's all recognize that PSA is like Coke, BGS is Pepsi, right? Like, and, and once, and, and marketing is, I, is what I do for a living, right? Once you're number one, number two has to work really, really hard to knock you off of your pedestal. Like when you're first to the marketplace, when you are first to dominate market share, that is an enormous advantage. Coke could stop marketing tomorrow and still be number one, right? Pepsi could triple their marketing budget and will never be number one. PSA is always going to be number one, and I accept that. BGS probably will be number two, but they don't have to be. And I got into this, I got into this conversation and Jordan and I really chopped it up on Instagram. And I'm like, I'm, I'm like talking theoretical and, and Jordan's talking hard numbers because that's how his mind works. And that's, and, but it's not how mine works, right? Neither of us is right. Neither of us is wrong. We're coming at it from two different perspectives. And I also got into this conversation with uh, sports card investigator on Instagram this week uh, in the DMS. And we, we chopped it up a little bit too. And I made some of the same points to him. We value PSA. We use PSA because we're going to make more money off of the cards when they're graded from P- by PSA. Cut and dry. You get your cards graded. The same card, and I, I, I checked this out this morning, um, and I, I, I used a couple of examples. I, I looked up a, uh, a Zion and an MPJ uh, Donruss Optic Hollow Rookie. And I looked at the three different card grading companies, and I, I did a PSA 10, a BGS 9.5, and an SGC 10. And as we all know, and as we all understand, the PSAs were selling are selling for more. BGS is number two, SGC is number three. That the problem is, we value PSA. We continue to use PSA. PSA passes all of the punitive costs to their scaling up to us. They jack the prices up to try to weed people out, right? Like that's another strategy. Like let's increase the prices. Fewer people will send in cards. And sports card investigator said in our DM conversation, he's like, you know, I'm going to continue to use PSA because it's what collectors want. And then 
I'm listening to Stacking Slabs, and this is all happening like independent conversations and independent moments that I'm that are all sort of coming together for me. And then I'm listening to Stacking Slabs, and he's interviewing uh, uh, the guy behind uh, New England Pieces, and they're talking about problems with PSA and the hangups with PSA, and and the guy from New England Pieces says, you know. I wish there was a I wish there was a third option. He's like, I know SGC's out there, but I just don't think they're it. My question is, why not? Main thrust of what I want to say today is why not SGC? Again, I understand PSA selling for more. So if you're flipping the cards, you're gonna maximize your profits if you use PSA. I understand that. But until we as collectors start valuing SGC more, it's not going to change. And this is not, I'm not, I've never had a conversation with anybody from SGC, although I did listen to uh, the guy that runs their company on Cardboard Chronicles uh, recently, uh, just to, to hear from him about what they're doing at SGC. So this is not a paid endorsement of SGC. This is not... I mean, I, I think I have like 35 listeners, so clearly I have no clout in this industry. But but I'm sitting here this morning saying to you, why aren't you using SGC? Because until we as collectors, as a community, start putting more value into SGC, nothing's going to change. Until we as a community support, we if we all want a third option, and we all say, man, I wish there was another option and I didn't have to send these cards to PSA and wait two months and, and pay double the prices now. The option's out there and we have to start using it because if we want a third party option, if we want a third option, we have to be willing to support said third option when it's presented to us and the option is out there. If you don't like the way that PSA is doing business, if you don't like the way that BGS is doing business, send your cards to SGC. Now, it's sacrifice. You're sacrificing profits. I get it. You're sacrificing profits. But until we change our behavior, until we start valuing that third option more, nothing's going to change. Because if we, all, if we start using SGC, and we start selling SGC, and we start buying SGC, SGC prices will go up. I mean, that's just simple economics, right? No one has yet made a solid argument to me as about why they're not using SGC other than Jordan's point about value. And I get it. I do. I get it. The money doesn't matter to me in this situation. And I don't mean that in an arrogant, like, money is no object way, because that is hardly the case. I mean, I, I, I'm not that guy. I'm never, I'll never be that guy. The only people that say money isn't a problem are people that have lots of money. Um, and I don't. But I said back at the beginning that this is this card collecting is emotional for me. Card collecting is an emotional connection to sports. Frankly, guys, grading has never been a big part of my plan. I buy and sell raw cards. Um, I don't grade my PC. I, could, I don't have room, physical room, for graded cards in my PC, really. You know what I'm saying? Like, it takes up a lot more room. And I'm going to be honest with you, 
graded cards are fine, and I have a few. Um, I have one really cool one sitting here on my desk that's that's always here. Um, I'll shoot a picture of it and uh, throw it on uh, Insta later. Uh, it is uh, one of my favorite cards in my collection. It's a 2018 Topps uh, Heritage Clubhouse Collection uh, Dual Auto Relic. Uh, Reggie Jackson, Mark McGuire. It's uh, two jersey patches and then on-card uh, signatures from both Jackson and McGuire. Uh, it's a super, uh, super cool card um, that I got uh, back in 2018 out of a hobby box um, of Topps Heritage. And it graded out a nine, um, mostly because um, the way it was, um, it came from Topps um, with a little bit of a, was cornered on one corner, um, mashed down a little bit, but it graded out nine, uh, with two 9.5 subs on surface and edges, centering's a nine corners are a nine. Uh, it's a super sharp card and I love it. Um, I don't like graded cards though, because I like to flip through my collection and like, so I, I put them in one touches and, and top loaders, uh, generally, uh, because I just like to thumb through them. I like to flip through my cards and look at them because again, this is the emotional connection, uh, for me, uh, as much as anything. So grading has never been a big part of my collecting. Uh, grading has never been a big part of my uh, strategy when it comes to um, ramping up my, my sales uh, platform. Um, I've been focused more on raw cards. I am going to start submitting to SGC. I'm working on an SGC submission right now. Because I do have some cards that I know if I get them graded that I will be able to get some more money out of them. And I'm not going to send them to PSA. I'm not going to reward PSA for bad business practices and passing all of the, the cost on to the consumer. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to submit to BGS because they're straight up lying about their turnaround times. They're still, they're still labeling their turnaround times by, by arbitrary dates or you know time periods that are that that in no universe are they holding to those those time frames. So I'm going to start submitting to SGC. I, I'm working on a submission now. I'll let you know how it goes. Uh, I've got uh, some some football uh, stuff that I'm going to send in uh, for in preparation for this season and beyond, and I'm sending it to SGC because I'm I want to support the third party. I want to support the the third option and I want them to be successful because I feel like personally that if SGC becomes a more viable option, then we all win. Even the folks that like PSA will ultimately win because it will force PSA to make some changes. So I am leaving money on the table by submitting to SGC. I get that, but I've if I've got money, I'm going to spend it with somebody that I want to succeed. And if I'm going to say we need to support the third option if we want it to be successful, then I've got that, – that's what I told Sports Card Investigator. I said, we are the collector. Yes, we're the sellers. Yes, we are the ones trying to maximize our profits. But we are also the collectors. So I'm going to submit to SGC and – I'm going to start looking at SGC cards online for flipping um, because I want them to be successful and they're not going to succeed until we all start putting our money where our mouth is. And that's what I wanted to talk about on the show today. I'm going to start using SGC. 
I'm sure some of you are laughing at me. I'm sure many of you disagree with me. I'll say this. I think their slabs are sharp. I love the black slabs. I think they're super sharp looking. I don't like the the labels as much. I think BGS has the best labels. But the slab itself, I really dig the SGC slab. I think it, I think it looks good. Um, so aesthetically, it's pleasing. Um, I think we can have the debate on the grading process. And, and, you know, Jordan made an interesting point that it's easier to get a 10 from SGC than it is from PSA or to get a BGS 9.5. It's easier to, he, it's his theory that it's easier to get a 10 from SGC. So does that somehow affect the value of the cards? Like is the grading process too easy from SGC? I don't know. I don't know, but I'm going to start using them and I'll report back. Like I said, I'm sure some of you are laughing. I'm sure some of you wholeheartedly disagree with what I'm saying, but we're all entitled to our own opinions, right? And I'm sharing mine with you. I'm just ripping it open and laying it out there. And and this is what I've come to. I want, I want a third grading company to be successful. And for them to be successful, we have to start using them and we have to start valuing them. And I'm going to do that right now. I'll let you know how my submission goes. I like their online portal. I've been I've been building my submission and it's super easy. And I like that side of it. I like the interface of SGC. I think it's super easy, super user friendly. Um I think the slabs are aesthetically pleasing. So I'm gonna start valuing the product. If I want them to succeed, I have to use them. And I, I would like it if other people joined me in this, but I'm not like this isn't like gonna be some crusade that I'm on. And this, I'm not going to talk about this week in and week out. But for today, for right now, this is where I am. This is what I wanted to talk about. This is what I had to say to all of you is we have an option. It's out there. We need to start using it. So I, I love a good revolution. I said I like a good NBA Twitter beef. I also like a cause. And I like, I, I, I like a movement. So I'm personally creating my own support SGC movement. And that is what I'm doing. So there you go. So that's the show for today. Uh, me beating, the, excuse me, me banging the drum for SGC and talking about um, growing up with Jimbo Fisher's mom as my chemistry teacher. Those are your, your takeaways for today. Uh, have a great week, everybody. I can't wait to connect with more folks on social media this week. Check me out on Instagram at WV Cardboard. Uh, subscribe and rate and review the podcast and shoot me a DM and give me your thoughts, share your feedback. I love having the conversations. Even if we disagree, we can all, we can disagree uh, and still be friends. So have a great week and I'll talk to you next week on Mountain State Cardboard. Goodbye, everybody. Connect with Mountain State Cardboard on Instagram at WV Cardboard. Visit our show page on Anchor, anchor.fm slash WV Cardboard. This podcast is a member of the 3BG Podcasting Network, a production of 3BG Media, all rights reserved.